Okay, so here we are in the book of James, chapter 4, and we're going to go ahead and, as we said before, just jump right in. So um, we're going to start in verse 1, but our key verses are going to be verses 4 and 6. So if you want to pay special attention to 4 and 6 as we come up on those, we're going to start in verse 1. From whence came wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even from your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. You have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that they may consume it, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and your adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? <clears throat> But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. That's where we're going to stop right there in James chapter 4. And we read from verses 1 to verse 10. I want to go back and look at verse 5 a little bit more. Where now verse 5 says, Do you think... That the scripture says in vain. Do you think the scripture says something by accident or just joking around? No. James is saying no. That the, the word of God is true. There's no variance in it. So he says, do you think that the, the, the Bible is joking? You think the scripture is joking when he says that the spirit that dwells in you lusts to envy? Well, what does that mean? So many times we read it and we read right over it and we think, ooh, you know, we're, we've got some bad tendencies there. But really what that verse is saying is this, the spirit that God has purposefully caused to dwell in us yearnly desires to be welcomed with a godly, jealous love. Now, how powerful is that? That just changes the whole the whole game right there. To to see James James is one who cuts to the chase. He doesn't he doesn't mince his words. He comes straight forward, and he says what he says. He means he means what he says. If you will just put your finger right there if you want to and mark that spot and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter three, really quick. Um, we're gonna read that one. So I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter three. Just give you some some reference here. I'm giving you a chance to get there as I get there. Jeremiah, Old Testament, one of the major prophets. It means it's a bigger, fatter book written by a prophet. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14 says, Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord. I am married to you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. How beautiful is that? That's how much he loves us. That's how passionate he is for us. He wants us to come to him when, we, when we're broken, when we make a mistake, when we fall, when we stumble. The scripture says in the New Testament that we have an advocate 
That is Jesus, an advocate, a, a lawyer, one who goes before us. The blood of Jesus cries out for righteousness, that, that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. So when we do stumble or if we do make a mistake, he wants us to quickly repent and come to him. It's not a lifestyle of constantly sinning and messing up and constantly doing things against God. No, the scripture teaches us that the we love him because he first loved us, that because he gives us grace, that doesn't mean that we continue to sin. Actually, the scripture says, do we continue to sin then? God forbid. So because we love him, we sin not. But if we fail, if we stumble, if we fall, he's made a way where there was no way before that we can return to him, come back to him because he loves us with a jealous love. He's passionate for us. He loves us that much. There's another reference. We're not going to go to it because of because of time, but if you'd like to write it down, it's Hosea 2.19, and Hosea is a beautiful story and beautiful example of God's, that's a picture of God's love for us. Man, our Lord is so awesome. His love for us is so passionate and so deep and so jealous that he gives us these details on how to live this Christian life and how we are, we are to be overcomers. You know, we, we read these scriptures and we see these scriptures and we hear it all the time. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're more than an overcomer. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And these are great scriptures and they're not speaking in vain. But we sometimes we need the meat of it. We need to know more how to be a conqueror, how to be an overcomer. Well, James breaks it down real simple for us right here. And he goes on to say in James uh, chapter 4, we're back in chapter 4, and he says in verse 6, after that verse 5, that he, the Spirit has, that he has purposefully caused to be in us, to dwell in us. It yearns, deeply desires to be welcomed with a godly and jealous love. He wants you. He wants to be with you. He wants to lead you and guide you all the days of your life. The Holy Ghost came to be your comforter, your leader, your guider, your closest confidant, your, your best and closest friend is our Lord. So here we see in verse 6, and he goes, no, 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 no. He's saying, no, the scripture is not speaking in vain, but rather he gives you more grace, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So when it's we're, we're humble and we humble ourselves, that grace abounds. When we seek his face, that grace abounds. When we turn to him, that grace is poured out to us. Grace is not a ticket to sin, God forbid. Grace is the power and to overcome sin and to walk this Christian life. It is possible. It is doer because doable because he made it so. Jesus made that way for us. Look at verse 7. James breaks it down real simple, and he says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Go ahead and submit yourself to God. We, Our human nature is, is at enmity. Our human nature wrestles against and, and presses against wanting to serve God. Our human nature and our flesh don't want to be renewed, don't want to be prosperous don't you your flesh wants to be lazy your flesh wants to go and maybe you think well my flesh isn't lazy I get up and exercise every single morning and I do all these things and I just can't slow down but sometimes we're driven by our flesh to do these things to avoid the things of God sometimes we're doing it to 
to please someone else. Sometimes we're doing it to please our own flesh. It makes us feel some kind of way. Sometimes we get, you know, as humans, we get proud of our flesh. So we need to understand and recognize that and submit ourselves to God. So as we look at verse 7, he says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Verse 7, submit. What does submit, submit mean? It means to subject yourself. To sub means under. Um, to come under his authority, his power, his anointing even. That he says that, that we are to surrender to God. To obey God. To come under his authority and his power. Recognizing who God is recognizing his power and authority and getting under it, coming under sub subjection to him, submitting ourselves, humbling ourselves before the Father and giving ourselves to him, knowing our place. We are not to, to um, boast ourselves against God. We are not to come up against God. We are not to um, think ourselves equal with him. We are not to think that we ourselves have become God somehow, but rather that he, it is he that dwells in us. We are more than conquerors because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Not because we are we, <laughs> not because he created us, but because it is the spirit of God in us that makes us overcomers, that make us more than conquerors. So when we look at the scripture and he tells us to submit, it means that we must recognize who God is and put ourselves under his power and authority, knowing our place in him, knowing that he is our king, that he is our God, he is our father, he is God almighty, who always was and always has been. There's, there's no end with God. His life will never stop. His kingdom is without end. So there's, there's so much power in God. And when we recognize how, how, we are created by him. At his will, we were created. We should never let our will come up against his. We should never let our lives try to supersede or try to shine out brighter than what God is. That's It's futile. It's not going to work. So we need to understand who God is and submit ourselves under <clears throat> his power and authority. The second part of that is to resist the devil. So how are we going to walk in this grace? How are we going to live this life? How are we going to be successful in, in Christ Jesus when we sub, submit to God and resist the devil? <clears throat> now get this. So many times, again, we read the scripture and we think, okay, I got it. And then we go out and the enemy comes and things start coming against us. Instead of addressing them, instead of dealing with them, we throw up blinders and we try to ignore the enemy. That's not resisting. That's ignoring Ignoring is just trying to turn it off and say, I'm not going to look at, I'm not going to, I hear the enemy over there saying this and that and the other. I hear his voice, but I'm just going to ignore it. No, we need to resist it. We need to cut it off. We need to say no. If you, if you have weeds in your, your garden and you just ignore them, what will happen? 
the weeds will take over the garden. They'll choke out the other plants. They'll take away nutrients from your plants. You, you know, blah, blah, blah. You'll get all this stuff you don't want in your garden. But if you resist them, how do you resist a weed? Well, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to resist that weed by pulling that thing up by its roots. I don't want any root left. I don't want anything that's going to come back up later. I want it gone. I'm going to resist the invasion of the weeds in my garden by rooting them up and burn throwing them into the fire. No seed to blow back into my garden and start over. No root to spring back up from the root, but to pluck it all the way up and cast it into the fire that is not there anymore. Resist the devil, resist the enemy, get rid of everything and every connection, anything that could spring back up, anything that could take root, anything that could, you know, lay dormant for a little while and then become somehow, you know, fertilized in water and begin to grow. We need to get rid of those things. So resisting is an action. It is not an just ignoring. It's not throwing up blinders. It's not just pretending that it's not there. I'm just going to ignore it. Maybe it'll go away. It's not going to go away until you address it. It must be resisted. Resist in the definition means to stand against, to withstand. What does that remind you of? When you've done all that you can do, then you stand. When you've done all that you can do. So the Bible says to put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. So you go back and you look at that whole armor of God. and You remember all those things, that they, all this armor is. And we are fully outfitted, fully equipped. Jesus didn't leave anything wanting. You're not, he didn't save your soul and then throw you out to the wolves. He equipped you. He fully gives you everything that you need. If it's not there, then it's your job to go into his presence, to seek his face, to get into the word of God, and make sure you got your helmet of salvation. Make sure you got your breastplate of righteousness. Make sure your shoes or your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Make sure you have on your 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 sword of truth and your, your belt of truth and your the word of God and, and your shield of faith and you, you have all those things in place and then you you look at the scripture and you look at the the scripture that lines up with that scripture and you you begin to understand it more and you grow in it more and we don't ignore the enemy we stand against him so when the when the Bible says that we are to when we've done all then we stand that doesn't mean that you just stand there and wait like you're waiting on a bus but but rather you stand in resistance stand in that place of victory stand in that place knowing who you are in Christ Jesus that it's not you but it is he that's within you that makes you an overcomer it is he that is within you that is greater than he that is in the world as we recognize the enemy we right we begin to realize Oh, this is just a, a, you know, wait a minute. I thought this was a big, scary thing hiding under my bed. But look, there's nothing there but a dust bunny. It's just a little, it's a small thing. And and, and so, so many times we blow it up in our mind. And if you've, if you've allowed yourself to, you know, read books or, or look at movies or even sometimes just walking through 
Walmart. You might see, you see things, you begin to think, oh, well, that's what the enemy looks like. And he's a big, scary monster thing. But really, in reality, that would be if you feed it. If you keep giving it that authority, you get, keep giving the enemy uh, a, a foothold and a place in your life, then it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and becomes more of a stronghold. But in reality, the enemy and the demons are just feeble. They are, get this, the devil himself is no match for God Almighty. A lot of people seem to think that you either have God, you got God on the right hand, you got the devil on the left, and that they're equal in power and authority, but they are not. The enemy is not Almighty God our Father, our Creator, the one who sent His only begotten Son, that you might be born again. He is Almighty. The enemy is not. God is everywhere. The enemy, the devil, is not. The devil has little imps running around. God is Almighty. He's everywhere all the time. Plus the angels, plus the Holy Ghost. He's, you know, he's not because of the Holy Ghost. He's everywhere by the power of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is everywhere all the time, and then he has angels. But the, the, the devil, the Lucifer, is just one fallen angel who had a bunch of other angels follow him, and he is not all-powerful. He's one, just one fallen angel and a bunch of minions that follow him. So his attempts are feeble and weak in the sight of God. Therefore, he is no match for God or God's people. He's no match for us. The enemy is not the opposite of God, nor he is not any kind of match for God. God is, is God. <laughs> I just got to say that. He is not equal to God. He's not, he's not God's opposite. He He's not equal to God in any way, shape, or form. Only the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are equal. Co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal. They're the only ones, only the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Only God is like that. Not the enemy, not the devil, not Lucifer. So let's, we need to understand these things. That when we're not dealing with an all-powerful evil spirit... You have authority. Jesus gave us authority over all unclean spirits. What's an unclean spirit? Any spirit that is not of God. Any spirit that is not of God is an unclean spirit. You are a child of God. You have been washed in the blood of Jesus, regenerated by the Holy Ghost, and it is God's will in his purpose that you be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us by evidences that we've searched out and proven that the Holy Ghost comes. And when he comes, he comes with evidence of speaking in tongues. It's the first initial evidence. But when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is in you. And you have the Spirit of God in you victorious. You have all authority over every unclean spirit and you must submit to God and resist the devil, the enemy of your soul, and the enemy will flee. The scripture says it, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will run. Submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
No ifs, ands, or buts. No, no, I wonder if it will. I wonder if it's going to happen. He says it. He meant it. It is true. Resist the devil. Put up your resistance. Dig up those roots. Get rid of the things of the enemy whether it's in your household, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your thought processes, spend time in the presence of God and search those things out and get them out. Verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Well, there's a whole lot in those three verses right there. The first part, though, is so sweet that if we understand that if we would draw nigh closer, dig in, seek God's presence, that we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. You want to attract the presence of God? You get in his presence. You seek him out. You begin to worship him. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice and worship him. Lord of Lords, King of Kings, holy is his name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just worship you. Lord, I adore you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for setting me free, Lord. God, you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. There is nothing impossible with you, Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life, Lord, because you have set me free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I am free from every bondage. I am free from every addiction. I am free from everything that the enemy tries to throw at me, I resist it in the name of Jesus. I lift up the standard and that is the love and the power of Jesus Christ in my life. Because of you, Lord, I am free. Lord, I worship you. I love you. I thank you, Lord. Praise your name. The more we worship him, the more we worship him, the more we seek him, the more we find him. If you will draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. So then he says, cleanse your hands. Why does he go on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners? He's saying, make sure that you're you're holy. Make sure that you've 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 done the things that you we're not talking about works here. We're talking about drawing nigh to God. That when we we confess things that we've done, if we, we messed up, we stumbled, we fell, then we confess it to God. We cleanse our hands. We get our outward life right before God. We let God know. We talk to him about it. It's not a hidden thing. He already knows. But we go to God with it. He is our loving father. The spirit he has purposefully caused to dwell in us yearns deeply and desires to be welcomed with a godly, jealous love. Don't think the scripture speaks in vain that the spirit dwells in us. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusts to envy, but he gives more grace. Therefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And so then we cleanse our hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. By letting God cleanse your inner life and your inner thoughts, we, we get ourselves before God, we humble ourselves before God, Knowing that God is will cleanse our minds, we renew our minds before him, with him, by his spirit. We renew the spirit of our mind. We renew and crucify our flesh and we, we before him. This is spending time in the presence of God. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. What does it mean be afflicted and mourn? I don't want to be afflicted. I don't want to mourn. I don't want to weep. I'm a Christian. I'm going to be happy, 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 happy all the time. Well, what it means is that we are to come before God and we should be. If we sinned, if we missed 
God, God somewhere, or we, we did something, anything, the smallest little things, then we need to humble ourselves before God and be afflicted and mourn for them. We need to weep before the Lord. You know, sometimes, you know, maybe you're watching and you're sitting in the pews and you see, or the chairs and you see, you know, somebody go to the altar and they're just weeping and you think, gosh, well, they must have done something really bad. And they may have just, you know, done something really that you would think insignificant. And you might think, well, gosh, that's no big deal. I do that all the time. But this person is broken over it. And so because they, they want to please God and we, we want to be humble before him in everything. We don't want to just shirk it off and say, oh, well, you know, yeah, I told a little white lie at work today. And, and, you know, it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. Well, that would be the enemy speaking to you. And we need to know the voice of God. Jesus leads us to repent. Jesus leads us to repentance. He brings us back to that place where we, where we are humbled before God, when we remember that Jesus lived a pure and spotless life, that we could be made free. We are not free to sin. We are free to worship, free to, to live a life free of sin. No more bondage, no more shackles, no more chains. We are free. Look at... Um, Let's continue in that. So be afflicted and mourn. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So when we humble ourselves before God and we begin to, to cry out to God and we confess these things before the Lord, whatever they may be, then he lifts us up. He, I, I just, I can see a, a daddy Big old loving father just scooping, reaching down and scooping up his child. And Father God takes you into his arms and loves on you. And he lifts you up and encourages your spirit and re renews your mind and fixes all your wounds and heals you and sets you back down. Why do we choose to go through life broken? Why do we choose to go through life burdened down and, and looking back at the things that people said, the things that we did, and who we used to be? We are new creatures in Christ Jesus, and we are not going that way. We are not that person anymore. We should look up to the Father and let Him show us who we are in Him and realize that we are victorious, that we are loved, that we are precious in His sight, that we are purposed for this life that we have so much that God has given us and his plans for us are good. I can't say it enough that his plans for us are good. Draw nigh, draw close, draw near, seek his presence, seek his face, learn to live from his presence, that we start our day off in his presence. And when we we begin the day that we're, we've already been in the presence of God before anyone else sees us, that we've seen God. That we, in other words, we've, we've gone before him. We, we spent time with him this morning. We've, we've, we've been in his presence. And so that when we go out, we go out of the gates with joy and with praise and with thanksgiving in our hearts, knowing that we know the one who made everything, that created this whole entire universe, and the trees and the birds and the, the flowers and the water and everything that we have need of. He, it comes from his hand. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Turn with me um, to uh, John chapter 10, the book of John, the gospel of John. <clears throat> but the Lord is bringing this down to 
is that we we hear his voice when we submit and sub and, and subject surrender ourselves under his authority then we are his sheep we are the sheep of his pasture we are his people and the sheep of his pasture we are his dene and the debe of his pasture so let's see john chapter 10 Sorry, I probably have a really southern accent today, so that was my feeble attempt at some Navajo. All right, John chapter 10, verse 27. My pages are stuck together. Are your pages stuck together? Turn, 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 turn. John chapter 10, verse 27. Let's read from verse 25. And Jesus answered them and said, I told you and you believe not the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me, but ye believe not because you are not of my sheep as I said unto you. Now, who is he talking to? He's talking to the, um, the Jews that came around about him and said to him, how long do you make us doubt if thou be Christ, tell us plainly. So he's, he's telling them, he's telling them plainly, but they don't hear it. So in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, if you'll, if you'll humor me, bear with me, flip backwards to John chapter 10 and verse 1. In verse 1, Jesus presents himself as the good shepherd. And he says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I speak an eternal truth to you. I say to you, He that enters not by the door of the sheep, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Who hears his voice? The sheep. His sheep, his sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep. Does he call someone else's sheep? He calls his own sheep. How does he call them? By name. He knows your name. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. Jesus has a voice. The Lord has a voice. We hear his voice. He is our good shepherd. Now watch this. In verse 5, And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. The more time you spend in the presence of God, the more time you practice hearing his voice, the more you learn of him and his ways and his voice and his word, you will be more discerning of his voice versus someone else's. There, the, It doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice and they don't hear any other voices. It says, and a stranger they will not follow. That means that stranger has a voice and that stranger is calling. But we don't have to respond to that stranger's voice. As a matter of fact, it should eventually become more and more muffled and further and further away from us and more and more strange. When you're a little child or when I was growing up, if a stranger called, was, were to call my name, 
This is before people started putting their names on the back of their shirts and stuff. If a stranger were to call my name, I'm sure that I would have turned because I heard my name. But when I saw that it was a stranger, I knew that it was a strange voice, I wouldn't have run to it. I wouldn't have gone to it. But I might have been like, whoa, who just called my name? If I, if we are trained, if we train our children that if someone calls your name and it's not my voice, you don't look, then you'll learn, they will learn not to look. I would have learned not to look. And I'm not, I'm not dissing anybody. I'm just saying this is the way human nature is. So when we, um, you can have a, a dog and you t train that dog to respond to your voice and that dog will respond to you. Someone else calls the dog or someone else tells the dog to sit or lay down or whatever. And that dog says, no, you are not my master. This is a well-trained animal. We are more than animals. We are made in his likeness and image. And we must learn to have that self-control that comes by the Holy Ghost and learn his voice that we only respond and react and respond and listen and heed and follow his voice. And that the other voices have to go. Now, going back to resisting the devil and resisting the enemy, you have the power and the authority and the you have it within you to resist those voices. And if there's another voice speaking to you, you have the power to say, you know what? Hold your peace. Shut your mouth. I'm not listening to you anymore. Get out. Just letting that to sink in. You have the power and the authority to tell it to get out of your life, to get out of your presence, to get out of what... If it's in your head, to get out of your head. If you're, you know, if it's just following you around, sitting on your shoulder, tell it to get out of there. You have the power and the authority. If, if for some reason you're not making that breakthroughs, and find a man or woman of God, like James says, find the the the, the leadership of the church, the, the someone who is anointed, the someone that you know knows how to get in touch with heaven and ask them to pray with you. Someone that you know that walks in authority and ask them to pray for you because you need deliverance because you're listening to these other voices and they're weighing you down. They're holding you down. They need to go. We need to keep our focus on the voice of the Father, the Good Shepherd, only Jesus Christ, that is. And we need to hear his voice and another we won't follow. We will only follow him and not the voice of the strangers. In verse 6, it says, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. And then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that is again, he's saying, Truly, truly, I speak an eternal truth to you. I am the door of the sheep. And he that ever, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The true sheep will not hear the thieves and the robbers. The true sheep will not respond and will not follow those thieves and those robbers. The devil, the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your salvation. He wants to steal your, your family, your relationships, your, your, your godly relationships, your fa um, marriage. He wants to destroy your salvation, your healing, everything that you have in God, the enemy, the devil, the, his, de his de demons, they want to take it from you. You have the authority to say no. 
You cannot have it. It's not yours. It's mine. God gave it to me and you can't take it away. You have that authority. We got to start walking in it. You got to start using it. It's not enough to put the armor on and stand there. You've got to be willing to use it. You've got to know how to resist, how to stand, how to hold your place, how to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 9. He says, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and the other sheep other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father." No one can take it from him. He laid it down because he had all authority and he gives us all authority. The scripture says, Jesus said it. We need to resist the enemy. We need to resist those voices. We need to recognize people, you know, I'm talking to, I'm talking to people of all different ages from five, six years old, all the way up to 90 and people hear voices and the world wants to say oh well you're insane you need to go into a sane asylum or guess what we got some kind of drugs you can take and we'll we'll write you a prescription for that and you need to come to therapy jesus already took care of it if we will learn to walk in it now i'm not telling you to run down to, to run out and get your meds and flush them down the toilet you need, you need deliverance and if, if it's in, in a lot of people are out there that aren't taking any meds, we you know, people need deliverance. There's no shame in it. If you look into the scripture, there were so many people who were, you know, active in the synagogue, people that were working in, the, in that day's church that still needed deliverance, that got deliverance when they came in contact with Jesus. We need to seek him, seek his face and be delivered. Excuse me, my water bottle makes a funny sound. <coughs> so here, this is the word. Submit to God, resist the devil. Submit to God and resist the devil. <coughs> let's, let's begin to walk in this life more victorious than we were yesterday. Let's be more free than we were yesterday. It's not a mind decision. It is getting into the presence of God and letting him lift you up, cleansing our hands, purifying our hearts before him, and letting God lift us up 
and be the mighty men and women, the warriors and the kings and princesses that he, princes that he has called us to be, the anointed men and women, young women, Young men, young women, old men, old women, no matter what age group we are, God has called us <clears throat> out to be a separated people, to walk in power and authority, to be set free from all unclean spirits, to be set free from all sin, to, to, to be, you're free. You are free. <clears throat> and you are free indeed. I implore you to get before the Lord right now. I'm going to turn this off and I'm just going to, I beseech you, I implore you to get before the Lord and seek his face now. Get into the word, worship him, lift up your hands and worship him in songs and praises and hymns. Give him glory and know that you are. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. If you haven't repented and you haven't been born again, do it now. Ask Tell the Lord you can't do it. You realize that you're a sinner and you need Jesus. You want to be washed and made clean. It's by, because he laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for the sheep. He was crucified, dead, and buried, risen on the third day, and ascended into the heavens to sit at the right hand of the Father to ever make intercession for you if you will just call upon his name today and be saved. Call upon his name today and be saved. Save me, Jesus. Make me whole. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the Son of the Most High God. You gave your life for me. And Lord, I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name. If you've done that, then you are free and you are free indeed. Let's worship him, praise him, glorify him. Live your life for him. Give him all that you have. God bless you. I'd love to hear from you. There's a place for comments underneath the, the podcast there. If you want to leave a comment, we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Praise the Lord and good morning. Welcome to the Purveyor of Truth podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Today, today uh, the recording date is December 5th, 2021. My name is Devonna Driggers. I'm the senior pastor at Blue Water Pentecostal Church of God in Blue Water, New Mexico. We are a Native American ministries church with the Pentecostal Church of God. I am also the CEO and missions director for Navajo H2O of Faith Vision Ministries. So I'm so glad that you decided to tune in and hear what the Lord has for you today. And whatever day it is that you're tuning in, whatever time it is, God knew exactly the moment you were going to press that button and hear this podcast. So just praise God for what he's doing in your life. We're going to jump right in. Uh, I hope that you've already prepared your heart in prayer, but let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you this morning, Lord, today in this moment, Lord, gathering together over the airways, over this podcast in your name, Lord. Father, I pray, Father, that this word will not just go out locally, God, but they will reach abroad, Lord. The the statistics show me it goes all around the world, and I just praise God for that. Even though we're few, where the reach is far, and the message is timeless, Lord. And I just thank you for your word, for your 
anointing, Father God, this morning. God, I thank you for this precious soul who have decided to listen to this podcast today. Lord, touch them, bless them, use them, have your way in their lives. Lord, set them free from everything that, that, that tries to weigh them down, that tries to hold them back, God, because those who you set free, Jesus, are free indeed. Lord, we praise you, Father, that we walk by faith and not by sight, Lord God. Help us, God, to seek your face as you lead us step by step. Help us, God, to always seek your face, to always want to be in your presence and in your will all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you, God, for anointing me, for the word that you have given us this morning, God, to bring it forth, God, that it would prick the hearts of the listener, God, prick the hearts of the hearer, Lord. In the name of Jesus, let your will be done. Amen. Okay, if you'll turn with me to the, the book of James. James. 